0: to be a very popular team this week, and rightfully so. Welcome into Fantasy Football Today, DFS on Thursday, September 16th. Frank Stample joined as always by CN Ajad and Mike McClure. We're going to deep dive all the games in week two, mostly focusing on the main slate, but we will give you some thoughts on Showdown as well. Towards the end of the podcast, we'll give you our favorite value, chalk, contrarian plays, and of course our favorite stack of the week. Speaking of which, Showdown. Mike, what is going on? How are those Thursday Night Football lineups looking?
1: They're looking good so far. Uh, It's not the most attractive game we're going to see this year, but feeling good. Uh, I've got 150 lineups locked in so far. It's probably where I'm going to stop for the day, but uh, wait for inactives and see what's going on there. I've got the liquid death can back today as well. Everything is feeling good. It's going to be another great week.
0: Wait, have you popped it yet, though? All right, let's do that. Let's pop that right now on the stream. Oh, that oh, is that nice. Oh, that was magical. That is nice. Liquid Thank Death. Thank you, for, sir. For anyone wondering, no. Mike McClure <laughs> is not drinking alcohol on the podcast, which I wouldn't be opposed to. You know, if you guys ever wanted to get weird with it, go ahead. But uh, that's actually canned water. So go back and listen to our preseason podcast. You'll find out the reason why Mike is drinking canned water. Sia, you are here as well. What is going on? I think that this is a very unique slate, with the reason being there are five games with a total of over 50 points in Week 2. Four of them are during the afternoon games. So I don't know if that's going to affect ownership. It probably shouldn't, but I think just a reminder that if your scores are low early on in the day, don't really worry. Or if you are winning a bunch of money early in the day, you probably shouldn't get too excited because there's going to be a lot of ownership in those later games.
2: Yeah, I don't think there's going to be much by way of score for a lot of people in DraftKings or FanDuel this week because they're all going to be, or most of them are going to be, stacking that afternoon slate, which kind of, reminds me, you know, sometimes I'll play the afternoon slate by itself because there's only like a handful of games that I might want to play. I might actually do the opposite this week. And of course I'm playing the main slate for the most part, but I may actually play the early slate and just kind of get cute with a couple of games, including the one that has that 50 point total or that 50 plus point total. So just an FYI there, there is an edge in in these, we've talked about this before. There is an edge when you isolate the slates a little bit, whether you go early or afternoon, normally I would go afternoon slate, but this week, because of what you just said, I think I might be doing a few tournaments in the early slate.
0: And let's start with those early games. We'll go in order of the highest to lowest totals, and then we'll hit the afternoon games as well. The 49ers at the Eagles, San Fran, is laying three points here on the road with a 50-point total. All of these odds come via Caesars Sportsbook. Injuries to monitor here for San Fran. Their starting cornerback, Jason Verrett, and... Running back Raheem Mostert both on IR. We know Mostert's going to miss the entire season. I believe Jason Red's going to miss the entire season as well. There's six questionables here on the defensive side of the ball for the 49ers as of the Wednesday practice report. We're recording this Thursday afternoon, so I haven't seen a San Francisco 49ers uh, Thursday practice report yet. For the Eagles side of things, Miles Sanders, Zach Ertz, uh, offensive lineman Brandon Brooks, and safety Rodney McLeod are currently questionable. In this game and I think the place to start is Elijah Mitchell because we know Kyle Shanahan running backs are usually very valuable for fantasy purposes and uh, he finds a way to get the most out of them and I think people are going to gravitate towards Mitchell at least to some level because he's so cheap he's only 5,000 on DraftKings he's 5,800 on FanDuel he played 64% of the snaps last week rushed for a hundred yards he got that bonus on DK zero targets but it looks like Trey Sermon is going to be active this This week, the team signed Trenton Cannon. So there's kind of a lot going on right now. Mike, what do you think about this uh, running game for the San Francisco 49ers?
1: Yeah, so what it looks to me like we're going to see some shenanigans here. And I think we're going to see a little bit more uh, usage from some of those other guys. Probably Sermon as well. I think he's going to come in and get some carries instantly. So. I think that I personally will be pumping the brakes on the Mitchell Love. If it costs me, it costs me. But there are a number of running backs that I like this week. Almost all of them are going to be between four to six thousand um, dollars. Sixty one hundred, I guess, at the top with Chris Carson. But uh, so I'm probably going to avoid that situation as I'm showing ownership levels approaching ten percent on it. Um, I, if I'm going to play him there, I'd really like to take advantage of it at like six, five to six percent. Um, So probably going to be out on it. I'll watch and and see what happens. But as of right now, I think it's a fade for me.
0: I know that you like to look at offensive line, defensive line matchups. And according to Pro Football Focus, the 49ers have the second best run blocking O-line, D-line advantage this week. So that might be something that people are looking at as well. But I'm with you. I think if his ownership is approaching 10% or even exceeding that, it's kind of a muddy situation right now. I think Trey Sermon gets back involved in week two. As for the rest of this game, we could see some value open up if Miles Sanders and or Zach Ertz are out in this game. I, I think, I, I feel pretty good about Sanders. I think he's going to be able to play. Zach Ertz, not so much. I saw he was limited on Thursday, so we'll, we'll continue to follow that. But Kenny Gainwell is 4K in this game uh, on DraftKings, while Dallas Goddard is 4,600. Definitely could be in play if Ertz is out. And a stack that I like here early on, see ya for GPP mostly, Jalen Hurts is 6,500. He has 60 plus rushing yards or a rushing touchdown in five straight games dating back to last year to Devontae Smith at 5,400. And then you bring it back with George Kittle at 6,400. I don't think that it's going to be very popular, but it is something that I'm looking at here early on.
2: Oh, I, I love that. In fact, I've been looking at a Jalen Hurts stack with Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard. I mean, I, I think if Zach Ertz is out, I think that's going to be a nice touchdown target for him. And yeah, you could bring it back with Kittle or you could bring it back with Debo Samuel because I think he like, and we'll see what Brandon Ayuk's role is this week, but I think kind of regardless, Debo is going to get fed and and he, he has game-breaking ability, especially against a secondary like the Eagles have, which is a pretty weak secondary uh, relative to others in the league. So I, I like the stack here. I like Jalen Hurts a lot. And um, the San Francisco defense, let's remember, I don't know, you might have just gone over it in the injury report, but Jason Verrett is out for the year. This was already a secondary that wasn't very good anyway. And now they lose a key piece. So if Jalen Hurts were to ever have a big yardage game, which obviously he's not prone to doing in the air with his arm, this would be probably the game to do it.
0: Yep. And uh, real quick, Mike, I wanted to ask you, And do you have any interest in Debo Samuel? He's 6,700, obviously coming off that monster game. I guess Brandon Ayuk would definitely be a contrarian's uh, play in this spot. We don't even know how much he's going to play. He he played right around 50% of the snaps last week. He's only 5,500 on DraftKings.
1: Uh, I'm probably going to be out there. There's just so many wide receivers there. You know, if he does this again, I think, you know, Congratulations if you chase that and follow that, but uh, I mean you've got literally guys like Amari Cooper, Calvin Ridley, Tyler Lockett, AJ Brown, Keenan Allen, Ceedee Lamb, um, all in that price range and all in much better spots in my opinion. So I think that I would much rather invest in those. Um, you know, it obviously is always a question of ownership, but I have that ownership approaching ten percent, which is beginning to be a meaningful number at the wide receiver spot. And because I'm not super interested in stacking the game as a whole, I think that I, I think that it has to almost be a game situation if you want to play him. Um, like any of the guys I just mentioned, I'm comfortable playing as one-offs. I'm not playing Debo Samuel as a one-off. If I'm playing him, I'm taking advantage of it, and I'm either stacking it with the quarterback or I'm stacking it on the other side um, with, with Jalen Hurts and one of those pass catchers. So that's how I'd handle it.
0: All right, I lied. This is actually my last question on this game. I actually like the Eagles defense quite a bit in this spot. At 2,400, home opener. We have a West Coast team traveling east. Jimmy Garoppolo could be turnover prone at times here. Uh, See anything to see with the Eagles defense? I've been trying to find a cheap defense all week, and they're kind of the, the one that's standing out to me at 2,400.
2: Yeah, I'm happy to punt on defenses, so I don't mind that here, but, but I would say if for some reason the, the San Francisco 49ers relegate themselves to just kind of a running game, then you're not getting those potential turnovers like you would, for example, in the Miami Buffalo game. Like You could punt on the Miami defense at 2,500, and Buffalo might tear them up a little bit, don't get me wrong, but they're going to be passing the ball a lot, and we know we have a really good secondary in Miami, so th- th- there's going to be the potential for more turnovers there than you might have here, and they're only $100 more expensive.
0: I mean, that's that's why we got you on the podcast, man. I love that call. Miami <laughs> Dolphins defense. So, all right, I'm going to change, make that change in my cash game lineups. I did have the Eagles in as of now. Let's take a look at the Rams at the Colts. The Rams are... Uh, favorites here. By three and a half points, we have a 48-point total on the injury front. The Rams have two defensive tackles that are questionable. Uh, No, it is not Aaron Donald, but everything else looks good. For the Colts, nine players currently questionable, including three starting offensive linemen in Quentin Nelson, Braden Smith, and Eric Fisher, but uh, both Nelson and Smith played every snap last week, so I would assume they're going to be good to go. And then uh, we have Darius Leonard and Xavier Rhodes, who are questionable on the defensive side. Of things. I think the Rams represent some of the best mid-tier value this week, and the ownership uh, percentages that you sent us over, Mike, I think they're, we're kind of seeing that reflective already. Cooper Cup uh, projecting to be one of the more own players in week two and rightfully so. He's currently uh, 6,000 this week. Robert Woods, 5,700 on DraftKings. I think Daryl Henderson is going to be a popular play. He is 5,700 on DraftKings. Uh, Don't like it as much on FanDuel, 6,400. It's a little bit high there, but uh, he played 94% of the snaps last week, 17 touches, uh, five red zone opportunities. So just a massive role for uh, Daryl Henderson and even Tyler Higby we mentioned the other day 4100 played 100% of the snaps 23% target share was second on the team Mike I like all the Rams in this mid-tier range
1: yeah there's a lot to like there Uh, Higby should be the most popular tight end he's going to approach 10% this week which is a significant number on a full slate for a tight end like that Uh, largely in part to Travis Kelsey not being on the slate. But I I do like him, even at that ownership, frankly, I still am interested. Uh, I'm glad that you mentioned Robert Woods. So Robert Woods, I really like him relative to Cooper Cup. Um, I still like Cooper Cup. I think he's fine. He's going to be one of the top three owned wide receivers, it looks like, so far. Maybe top five, depending on how aggressive people get with that um, Chargers and Cowboys game. But the, the discount that you're getting of $300, you're getting a massive ownership discount. So we're projecting Cooper Cup around 15 to 16% owned. And you're going to be able to grab Robert Woods probably 6 to 7% owned. And I think he has some pretty significant touchdown equity. I think this game's going to be a lot more competitive than people think. And that's really want Robert Woods playing. So I, I do have some interest in Robert Woods there at 5700
0: you mentioned the touchdown equity. That touchdown that he scored last week was masterful getting both feet in there in the back of the end zone. So uh, yeah, look, if if the goal for the Colts in this game is to take Cooper Cup away, then we could see more targets go towards Robert Woods, which reminds us of that buy low opportunity, which we spoke about on our previous podcast. On the Colts side of things, I think it's really just the running game that we're looking at here. Jonathan Taylor is 7,200. Naheem Hines, I love the pass game usage for both of these guys last week. I don't think that Carson Wentz is healthy. I don't think that the offensive line is healthy. And as a result, we saw him throw the ball a ton to both of his running backs. They both had over 20% target share last week. Uh, Naheem Hines, 4,700. That represents a pretty good price there. The problem is, I mean, you get Chase Edmonds for $200 more, and I think we all kind of like Chase Edmonds More in general. So, uh, see, what do you think about the Colts side in this game? If there's anything else from the Rams you'd like to talk about, go ahead.
2: Yeah, I certainly don't like the Colts receivers. I mean, obviously, any of these guys, mostly Zach Pascal, could, you know, score another touchdown. There's some touchdown equity there, I suppose, especially in a high-scoring game. But it's, it's really Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines. I think if you went strictly game script, I understand that JT and Hines got almost an equal amount of targets, which is really interesting. But I think if they're trailing a majority of the game, I think you could see a lot more Naheem Hines in the second half. So I wouldn't play it in cash. But if if I was maybe throwing a dart because I wanted to get off like Chase Edmonds, for example, or some of those guys in the 4K range like Javante Williams that might end up being popular, I think Hines is decent because he's a really good runner and he is definitely going to catch a lot of passes and probably more so than Jonathan Taylor.
0: Early ownership showing Jonathan Taylor at 6% here. If he's getting a 20% target share and 17 rushing attempts, that'll work. That'll definitely play in GPPs. I mean, look, just in a vacuum, it's kind of hard because Joe Mixon is like 200 less than Jonathan Taylor, and Najee Harris is 900 less, but I think if you're trying to find somewhere to be different, Jonathan Taylor definitely has a ton of upside at the running back position. Let's move over to the Texans at the Browns. Cleveland laying 12.5 points in this game, 48-point total on the injury front for Houston. Starting cornerback Desmond King and tight end Farrell Brown are currently questionable for Cleveland. Odell Beckham is out. Three of their starting offensive linemen, J.C. Treader, Jack Conklin, and Jedrick Wills, along with wide receiver Anthony Schwartz are currently questionable. On paper, this looks like a nightmare spot for Houston. See, I believe you refer to this as a bloodbath for the the Houston Texans on Tuesday's podcast. They're coming off a big win, divisional win against the Jacksonville Jaguars, and now they're facing a Browns team that just lost a big lead against the Kansas City Chiefs in their home opener. So I just, I agree with you. I think this is a really rough spot for the Houston Texans. uh, And... Personally, I, I am finding it hard early on to get all the way up to Christian McCaffrey. He's ninety nine hundred. He's approaching ten k. I understand why. I mean, he's awesome. Even you know, the other uh, that whole group of running backs, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara. I think it's pretty hard as of now. Nick Chubb is seventy eight hundred on DraftKings. He's eighty four hundred on FanDuel. And I mean, this is just a beautiful matchup here. He even had you know some a few targets last week too. Six red zone opportunities. Seventy eight hundred. See, I. I love this play. Nick Chubb at this price.
2: Yeah, I like it too. But unfortunately, everybody else likes it as well. He's okay. he's one of the more popular running backs on the slate. So well, we talked about him on Tuesday a little bit, and, and we talked about how much we loved him for the obvious reasons. But if he's going to be one of the higher owned running backs in GPP, I just might have to pivot. And I'm not sure he's the best cash play either, just because he's not going to garner those, uh, those receiving touches. But uh, it, again, it's really hard because he, snap share wise, he's basically splitting with Kareem Hunt, but he has the potential to just, you know, scamper for, for two 50 plus yard touchdowns. I mean, that's not out of the equation here. So I like Nick Chubb. I'll probably play a little bit of him. But now that everybody else has sort of come on board, I think I might end up pivoting off of them.
0: Yeah. And that's why Nick Chubb, like Derek Henry, is such a unique player, because normally he doesn't get as many targets as other elite running backs. And on top of that, he's nearly splitting work. Not evenly, but it's more so 55 60% in favor of Chubb, and then Kareem Hunt sees the rest there. So it's tough to pay up for a running back in that spot, but just a unique player and a unique situation, a great offensive line as well. Uh, Mike, anything else to see in this game? Tyrod is 5,500. I know that you were touting him last week, and he actually came through. Brandon Cooks, his top target, is 5,900, went for over 100 yards last week. Jarvis Landry is 6,300 on DraftKings. I think if Schwartz is out, and Odell Beckham's already out, Maybe Donovan Peoples-Jones is a punt at 3K. something that stood out to me. What do you think?
1: Yeah, you're in the right ballpark. Uh, Not the right player, in my opinion. But the one player I have interest in this game is going to be David Njoku, the tight end. Uh, 3,600, I think he's an excellent pivot, projecting less than 1% ownership. Uh, This game's remotely competitive at all or early in the game. Baker liked to look to him a lot against the Kansas City Chiefs. I think that continues. He is very tough to bring down when he is running in open space. I think that he has a few big plays in him in this game. So if you want to take a stand on fading some of the chalk value at tight end, and when I say chalk value, I mean, there's probably four guys in there that's going to be between 7 to 10% owned this week that's going to be less than $5,000 at the position. Uh, if you want to fade that, save some salary, I think that he's a super interesting play at 3,600. Um, does have touchdown equity, but I, like I said, just huge big play equity where I he can put up another double-digit fantasy performance relatively easily here.
0: If Farrow Brown is out for the Texans too, I mentioned last week. Tyrod Taylor, last time he was a starting quarterback, he loved throwing the ball to Charles Clay when he was in Buffalo. Jordan Akins, if he's the only tight end left, he's three K. He's uh, is three K minimum price for tight end. No, I think it actually goes below that. Right?
1: It uh, should go to twenty five hundred yeah, at least. Yeah, it goes sometimes to yeah.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, look, 3K. I mean, if you want to punt on a tight end, again, it's only if Farrell Brown is out. So I'll throw the name out there. Mike, any love for Nick Chubb or are you basically in agreement there with you?
1: Uh, I'll be off of Nick Chubb there. I think that if you want to play him, you need to take a really, really, really hard stance. So his ownership is around 11%. I think it'll, it could be as low as eight, but I, it could also be as high as 12 or 13. What I want you to do if you're going to play him, treat him as if he's Christian McCaffrey or Alvin Kamara. And he is your guy. He is your big spend. If you want to be there for a big Nick Chubb game, that's what I would recommend doing, which would mean you're going to play a lot of him, Go way overweight on the field. I don't see really any value if you're playing multiple lineups to trying to be at the same 10% ownership as the field. You need to take a hard stance. For me, the hard stance will likely be zero. But if you like him, play 30 to 40% Nick Chubb and, and really capitalize on if he does have that three touchdown game that we all know is very capable of in this matchup.
0: Let's move over to the Raiders at the Steelers. The Steelers currently six point favorites with a 47 point total in this game for the Raiders. The injury front, Josh Jacobs and O-lineman Richie Incognito currently questionable on the offensive side of things. And the defense is all banged up early in the week as well. Yannick Ngakwe, Denzel Perryman, Nick Kwiatkowski, uh, Carl Nassib. They are all questionable in the front seven for the Raiders. And then for the Steelers, It's relatively healthy here, so good to see. I think, like the Texans, not to the same extent, I think this is a pretty rough spot for the Raiders. Coming off a big overtime win in prime time, West Coast traveling east, the defense is already banged up here, and because of that, I think it looks like an absolute smash spot for Najee Harris, who's popping up as the top point-per-dollar play at the running back position on both DraftKings at 6,300 and FanDuel at 6,100, 100% 100% of the snaps last week, 17 touches, four red zone opportunities. Las Vegas allowed 4.7 yards per carry to Ravens running backs last week, but he will be very chalky. He is popping up as the most owned player in week two. So I think he's a, he's very viable for cash games to you, but in GPPs, you're probably going to want to get a little bit different than Najee Harris.
2: Yeah, you're probably going to want to get different unless you can play Najee Harris and, and you know that the stack you're building is just way different than everybody else's. Like you're off, the, for example, the L.A. Chargers uh, Cowboys game or some of those other chalky ones. Uh, but yeah, I mean, in a, in a cash game, I think Najee Harris, I mean, you mentioned 17 touches. He had three targets and 16 carries. I expect both of those to go up against the Raiders. So, I th- and by the way, he it didn't, the efficiency wasn't really there last week. I don't think it was the best spot for him, to be honest with you. This is a much better spot. No matter what we saw the Ravens do against uh, against the Raiders, I think Pittsburgh is going to handle them in terms of blocking for their running back way better. So, uh, I like Najee Harris quite a bit. As far as anybody else on this side of the ball, um, not a huge fan, frankly. I mean, we don't know how it's really going to play out be- between Deontay Chase and Juju. Um, Eric Ebron looks like he might be dinged. If he is, then Freer might actually be a decent play as a punt because he's only 2700 on DraftKings. We'll just have to monitor Ebron's injury status there. But that's all I'm interested in on that side of the ball.
0: In terms of the pass catchers, you mentioned Juju. Uh, trying to figure out which wide receiver you want to use is going to be tough on a weekly basis when it comes to those Steelers wide receivers. But as a result, you will get them normally at a lower ownership than you probably should. For the Raiders, look any tight end that gives you 19 targets in a game. I don't care what his price is, he's definitely in play. 7600 on DraftKings for Darren Waller this upcoming week. 7000 on FanDuel. That definitely works. So going to have some Darren Waller in uh, on FanDuel. Josh Jacobs DMP again on Thursday, which leaves Kenyon Drake at 6000 Now, they split work last week. Jo- uh, Kenyon Drake had a bunch of targets. If Jacobs is out, I assume it's going to be the Kenyon Drake show, but I'm still honestly not very interested. What do you think, Mike?
1: Yeah, I don't really have any interest in this game outside of Najee Harris, and the the ownership level might be approaching one that I could potentially sit. I know that he just got 100% of the snaps and usage Uh, would not shock me. Still obviously a very young player. Wouldn't shock me if that changed at any point in the season, Um, just to try and keep him healthy, frankly. Um, So I I don't know that I have a ton of interest there. I definitely don't have interest in pass catchers. I'm not going to be playing Darren Waller. Uh, I already know that I'm not spending $7,600 there. If he beats me with 13 targets, I mean, I think the floor is safe in there. Um, I, I don't see him running wild all over this defense, but, Uh, If you do and you like that, uh, obviously, absolutely no problem doing it. But I'm definitely allocating my salary cap other places. So mostly a fade game for me.
0: All right, let's move on to the next one then. The Broncos at the Jaguars. Denver is currently a six-point favorite, a 45.5-point total, some possible light showers in the forecast here. Uh, on the injury front for Denver, we know that Jerry Judy and cornerback Ronald Darby have been placed on IR. Bradley Chubb and offensive lineman Graham Glasgow are currently questionable for the Jaguars. Cornerback Trey Herndon is questionable as well. I do not love this game very much, but I do think... It presents some decent value options. Javante Williams is forty four hundred on DraftKings. He had fifteen touches last week. Cortland Sutton, he played eighty percent of the snaps. He didn't really do much on the field, but he's only fifty two hundred. That seems like a pretty cheap price, especially going up against this Jaguars secondary. Noah Fant at forty two hundred. I think he's right in that same range as Tyler Higbee, but you're going to get him at lower ownership. He had a twenty three percent target share in week one. Now Jerry Judy is gone, and then for the Jaguars, Lavisca Shinal to me is. Interesting. 4,900, Sterling Shepard just destroyed the Broncos, so they can be beat in the slot. And obviously, uh, Bradley, wrote, uh, Ronald Darby, rather, just went on the IR. So, see, so yeah, what do you think about this game? It, there, there's some good value plays, but overall, I, I don't love it.
2: Yeah, there's some good value play. So I think this is a game, if you're going to play, you just got to take a piece, the, the piece that you like and, and move along essentially. But I, I definitely think, I mean, you're right to bring up Javante Williams. I mean, Melvin obviously had the bigger game because of that 70 plus yard uh, scamper for a touchdown, but Javante has probably better game breaking ability. I shouldn't say probably. He definitely does. And at 4.4K against this Jacksonville run D, which we just saw Houston, each of their running backs got a touchdown against this team. I mean, it's, it's absolutely absurd. So I honestly think Melvin and Javante could both have good games here so you know Javante at 4.4k I like you mentioned Cortland Sutton I think I like Tim Patrick a little bit better he's going to be on the field likely just as much as Cortland Sutton because of the Jerry Judy injury, KJ Hamler will be in there, but I think his snap share will fall behind those two. And Tim Patrick at 4,600, I think, is interesting. Obviously, Noah Fant is there. So at 4,200, it's hard to say no to him. But again, we've just mentioned five guys. Like they're not all, like Denver's not this prol- prolific offense. They're not all going to get targets and all, all going to get snap shares. So um, if I had to pick one, it would probably be Javante Williams and then Noah Fant. And then on the other side, DJ Sharks really the only guy I'm interested in. His air yards share last week was third in the in the entire league. He's clearly looks like he's he should be the deep threat that we kind of thought he was going to be a year or two ago. Um, back from injury, uh, I think 5600 is a reasonable price for him.
0: Mike, how would you rank Noah Fant at 4200, Tyler Higby at 41, and Jared Cook at 39? Who we haven't gotten to yet, but I think those three tight ends are going to be pretty popular this week in that price range.
1: Yeah, they're definitely going to be popular. Um, as where it's at right now, those those, I mean, those are the three that I've been talking about the entire time. Um, probably going to rate Cook highest just because of the game stack ability and bringing it back on the other side of Dallas. Um, after that, I think it's probably going to be Noah Fant for me just because I think that while we have them projected pretty similarly in ownership right now, if one is going to fall off throughout the weekend... Before Sunday rolls around, it's certainly going to be Fant. Uh, As people are going to look to play Higby after what they saw, probably going to have people looking for cheap value at running back, which is going to bring in Naeem Hines. And I I think that Fant's going to be the odd man out. So I would go uh, Cook, Fant, and then Higby as far as knowing that they all have very similar medium projections, similar upside. I'm going to take the the low ownership all all the time.
0: Is there anyone else in this game that you want to talk about?
1: Um. Not really. I think it's really the only piece. I do agree with Sia that DJ Shark is fine. Uh, He only caught three of the 12 targets. I would like to see that cleaned up a little bit. Obviously, it's not all his fault. Um, I think the thing I would caution with here is, like, I like the Jaguars a lot if you think the game is not competitive. If you think the game is competitive, like really competitive, and stays within that touchdown the entire day, I don't like the Jaguars. I like the Jaguars, if we're talking backdoor cover on the six points where they're down two to three scores at some point in the game, playing a little more prevent defense than anything. Ben don't break. I love the Jaguars in that scenario. I think they could run it up in terms of fantasy points there. Uh, but if you're playing them, I think you need to make that decision ahead of time as far as what you really see this game looking like.
0: Yeah, I mean, we would kind of need a similar game flow to last week, right? When they were getting, uh, they were getting crushed by the Houston Texans, which, look... No one saw that coming. The Jaguars were three-point road favorites there. Even if you like the Houston Texans, I don't think you saw them uh, completely smoking the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, look, if they just wanted a garbage-time quarterback, they could have just kept Blake Bortles, you know? They didn't didn't have to go out and tank for (laughs) Trevor Lawrence, if if we're being honest. Plus, then then my Jets might have had a chance at Trevor Lawrence, but uh, Zach Wilson's all right whatever. Enough of the Jets. Uh, Bengals at the Bears. The Bears are currently two and a half point favorites. There's a 45 point total in this game for the Bengals. Injuries, safety, Ricardo Allen is out with a broken hand. Cornerback Trey Waynes is doubtful he missed week one as well. For the Bears, offensive lineman Jason Peters and linebacker Robert Quinn are currently questionable. And I mentioned on Tuesday's podcast that I loved Joe Mixon's usage in week one, 78% of the snaps, 33 touches, 15% target share. He's 7K on DraftKings, but it is a bit of a tougher matchup here against the Chicago Bears. So, Sia, would you pay for someone like Joe Mixon, or would you just drop down to Najee Harris or Chris Carson in that 6K range? I mean,
2: especially for... Cash, I would drop down to those other two. Um, in a tournament, I'm just not interested in Joe Mixon really in with this particular matchup and this particular point total. So it's it's just one of those things. This game happens to be a pretty hard pass for me. Again, it's a 45 point total, just like the last game we discussed, which was the Jags in Denver. That was also a 45 and a half point total. So I'm just There's just nothing here. I mean, obviously, Jamar Chase at 5,000 is enticing. So, I mean, I think if you were just to take a share of him and throw him in your, your GPP lineup, I think that totally makes sense. But in terms of stacking this game or making this some sort of secondary or ancillary stack, I'm just not really interested.
0: So with that being said, I actually uh, did make a GPP stack from this game uh, early in the week. I don't know if I'm actually going to play it yet, but it is a possibility. And uh, that lineup includes Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase, who's only 5K, which you mentioned. And then you bring it back with Alan Robinson, who is 6,200. And I think it's a pretty good matchup for him considering the injury to Trey Waynes. And Adam Thielen just scored two touchdowns last week. For the Vikings, Adam Thielen, by the way, did not play in the slot, which is kind of weird because he's always kind of been their slot receiver. So he's Mm -hmm. playing on the outside. We know Allen Robinson is going to play on the outside as well. Mike, any interest in a GPP stack in this game?
1: Uh, I don't think I'll stack the game. No, I do have interest in T Higgins and Chase, both of them individually. Um, They're not projecting to be as popular as I thought they were going to be. Shout out to all the wide receiver value across the board, really, and some really, really, really attractive games this week. Uh, I thought for sure these guys would be projecting at 10% ownership uh, heading in after how well they ended up doing in the first week. So as long as this ownership level on them, which right now I'm having about 6 to 7% on each, that's right about the threshold where I would feel comfortable playing them even in cash games or as one-off receivers, just banking on overall point-per-dollar projection. Um, I, I'm interested in both of them right now.
0: All right. before we hit the break, just want to remind everyone that our Fantasy Football Today DFS contest is live this week. It's on DraftKings. It is 100 entries, $5 per entry. The top 10 gets paid out. The link is in the episode description. It's in the YouTube description as well. We'll tweet it out a few times throughout the course of the weekend. So if you want to join up, play against Sia and Mike and myself feel free to do so. Again, that's only $5 to join. Also, if you are enjoying the pod, feel free to drop a five-star rating and review on Apple. It really helps more people find the pod, and we're new, so that would be awesome to get more eyes and ears on this podcast. We'll take a quick break. When we return, we have some elite running backs to talk about next here. Fantasy Football Today DFS.
1: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.
0: All right, so let's talk about the Saints at the Panthers. The Saints are three-point favorites, 44.5-point total in this one. And on the injury front, standout cornerback Marshawn Lattimore, currently doubtful in this game, and a bunch of other injuries to the defense for the Saints, including Marcus Davenport and linebacker Quan Alexander, both are questionable. And then for the Panthers, two offensive linemen, Pat Elfline and John Miller are currently questionable as well. Carolina will be the land of stud running backs on Sunday. There's no doubt about it. CMC, he's at 9,900. Alvin Kamara at 8,800 on DraftKings. And I don't think the matchup matters for each because when you're getting 20-plus percent of the target share and as many carries as these guys are, I just don't think the matchup matters. Uh, So, so Sia, what do you think? To me, it's been harder to get up to these running backs because we have all that mid-tier value. I like Carson. I like Harris. Yes, they're going to come at high ownership. But... It's just, it's tougher in a game like this where we have a 44.5 point total. Now, if points are scored, it's likely to come from CMC and Kamara, but it's been hard for me to fit them in early on in the week.
2: Yeah, and it's doable because we know there's some punt-wide receivers. We talked about it, I think, maybe before the show, before we went uh, live. You know, there's guys like Cedric Wilson. We didn't mention this guy, like a guy like Jalen Guyton you could throw in there because we know it's just going to be a frenzy in that Chargers game. Um, You could pay down from Keenan Allen to Mike Williams, who was a target monster, and you could just sort of make it happen and trickle your way up to an Alvin Kamar at 8800 or a Christian McCaffrey at 9900 But to your point, I don't know if this is the time to do it. I, I genuinely don't. I mean, I'm curious to hear what Mike's opinion is on this one, because obviously Christian McCaffrey is going to get his targets. He's going to get his rush attempts. I'm just not sure what that's going to translate into in this particular game against the Saints defense. Last week, 21 rush attempts, nine receptions. That's not nine targets, nine receptions. So this guy is an absolute monster. I get it, but I'm not sure I want to pay 9900 this week. I I, I don't hate the play, but I'm not sure I'm going to do it.
0: All right, so let's find out those thoughts from Mike. <laughs> you have Christian McCaffrey and Alvin Kamar going up against each other here. And what do you think, Mike? Are are you getting up there? Are you, are you going to be overweight on these two?
1: I certainly will not be overweight unless something drastically changes, but uh, I do think it's possible to play them. And if I were to play them, it would be in the same lineup. Uh, it would be a complete game stack. I'm building it as we speak, if you're watching my eyes on the other side here. So if I was going to do it, I would full game stack it, and I would have uh, Marquez Calloway and Terrace Marshall both with them. Um, I would go all the way in. There are two value plays. Obviously, Calloway did not work out in that uh, week one, but that's how I would make this happen. I think that if you're going to do it, you got to commit, and you got to bank on this game turning into an absolute shootout. And I think you can get away with it. I think you, you can still pair with Dak Prescott, Amari Cooper. Maybe you play Blake Jarwin at tight end, only 3,100. But if you do that, that's your path to, to making this work. Um, it's certainly one, after looking at it now live, it's one that I will have, um, but it certainly won't be a primary team. But if I'm if I'm going to play either one of them, I think it's going to be McCaffrey, Kamara, both, and it's going to be all aboard the value wide receiver train again. Likely three of the names we played last week being Marquez Callaway, Terrace Marshall, and potentially Elijah Moore.
0: Uh, yeah, Terrace Marshall is 3,300. Marquez Calloway is 4,200. Uh, Elijah Moore is 35. Rondell Moore is 4K. Uh, of course, Cedric Wilson is another, I think, someone who's going to be very popular in terms of value this week. He's 3,100 in that massive shootout uh, between the Cowboys and the Chargers. See, anything else in this game? I know the Panthers wide receivers, I think they're in a decent spot here. Marshawn Lattimore not looking like he's going to play. Uh, the Saints' secondary is banged up, but kind of like the Steelers. It's just hard to figure out on a weekly basis uh, who is going to be the target leader for the Panthers.
2: Yeah, and I think we're going to find out it's going to be DJ Moore uh, pretty quick in terms of the the actual target leaders. But and so, you know, he's a fine price. I, I don't really like Robbie. I didn't really like how many targets he got last week. I think DJ Moore is the guy if you're going to go to this receiver core.
0: Uh, Mike, any love for, I know you mentioned some punt tight ends already, but Adam Troutman is 3K. He played 82% of the snaps. He had a 30% target share last week. We know Jameis likes to throw the ball to the tight end in the red zone. The problem is last week, that was Jawan Johnson. It wasn't Adam Troutman.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm probably not going to go there personally, Um, most likely because I think I have more interest in the bounce back and the buy low on Marquez Callaway after that last game. And I I don't want to play both of them if I have Alvin Kamara and no Jameis Winston in that lineup. So probably not going to be interested there. I'd much rather handcuff that cheap tight end with one of my quarterbacks and one of their star receivers. Um, So looking at uh, mainly the, the Cowboys situation with one of those tight ends probably fits the bill a little more for me than Trotman does.
2: All right, the it, Patriots. Interesting, sorry, Frank, interesting to note that Marquez Callaway's price went up 800 on <laughs> draft gigs. I just think that's funny.
0: Right? They were like, hey, yep. you caught the first pass of the game, didn't catch another <laughs> one, we're going to jack you up by $800. <laughs> All right, I mean, look, uh, I think they're going to, I think the way that they distribute targets for the Saints is going to change on a weekly basis, right? I think Jameis Winston, to his credit, he looked like a mature quarterback, right? He was taking what defenses were giving to him. He wasn't force-feeding anyone. And if that's the case, then, yeah, the target share, the target distribution is going to change on a weekly basis. The Patriots at the Jets. New England are six-point favorites in this game. There's a 42-point total. Uh, let's just move on to the next game. Now, I actually really <laughs> like the under here. I grabbed it at 43 earlier in the week. Uh, on the injury front for the Patriots, offensive lineman Trent Brown and linebacker Kyle Van Noy are questionable for the Jets. Offensive lineman, Mekhi Becton, standout offensive lineman, is out. He's placed on IR. Same thing with safety, LaMarcus Joyner. Wide receiver, Keelan Cole, is questionable. Jamison Crowder, returned from the COVID list, on Thursday. I really don't like this game, very much. It's just, I think Damian Harris, 5,400 on DraftKings, 6,200 on FanDuel. He's popping up, in some optimizers. He had 25 touches, in week one. Actually saw a few targets, which we're not used to, for Damian Harris. And he had three, red zone opportunities. So, Because of that, this role and the fact that he's a six-point favorite, I think that Damian Harris is going to get some love here, Mike.
1: Yeah, I definitely think he's going to get some love here. I have... Minor interest. Uh, I think the biggest interest I have in this game is going to be O. Smith. Uh, He's right there in that price point with all the tight ends we've already mentioned. However, he's coming with one thing that's very different and that's 1% ownership in terms of our projected ownership. So one thing that I wanted to point out with this team, this Patriots team has rebuilt everything for Mac and for what they've got right now they ran more double tight end sets and snaps last week than they did all of last year combined in every single game last year combined. Uh, They're going to have them both out there on the field. Jonu Smith is someone who's going to have big games. The Jets are terrible, especially against the tight end. I don't think they're well-equipped to defend that. Uh, So I think Jonu Smith is one of the obvious and easy pivots. If you weren't going to stack Noah Fant with someone, if you weren't going to stack Higby with the quarterback, Uh, I think that that's the most obvious and easy pivot you could possibly make if you're wanting to keep that same lineup construction in terms of not dropping down $1,000 at the tight end position. So it's certainly one that I'll have this week.
0: You know, I think what's also interesting here, Mike, is Hunter Henry. Right, he plays the same position. He's two hundred dollars cheaper than Jonu Smith. He actually ran more routes than Jonu Smith last week. Four more routes. They both played over seventy percent of the snaps, which you mentioned. They had they were on the field a ton in this game. The only difference is uh, Jonu Smith saw a few more targets, and um, you know he had a few more catches. So obviously that that helps. But uh, Hunter Henry ran a few more routes. So I'll just throw his name out there as well. See you anything in this game? Not really.
2: I mean, Damian Harris is interesting because his price is really good. So, I mean, I I may have a few shares there, but I'm just not really interested in this game. On the Jets' side of the ball, uh, Corey Davis, because I thought his ownership would be a little higher because of what we saw in the preseason and in week one. Right now, it's still pretty low. Uh, If it stays low, maybe take a shot there. But honestly, with this point total, 42.5, the the pace is probably going to be down. There's not going to be many fireworks here. So it's probably Damian Harris or nothing.
0: And I'm really interested to see what the target distribution is like when Crowder is on the field. They're playing three wide receiver sets. There's Crowder, there's Elijah Moore, there's Corey Davis. I still think Corey Davis is going to be the target leader on this team, but Crowder can turn out to be a safety blanket for Zach Wilson. So I'm, I'm interested to see what that will be on Sunday. Finally, We're up to the afternoon games. We have four heavy hitters here, all with a 50-point total or higher. Let's start with the Cowboys at the Chargers, which will be the most highly-owned game on the slate. The Chargers are three-and-a-half-point favorites, 55-and-a-half-point total as of now on Thursday, September 16th. Injuries in this game. Michael Gallup, Demarcus Lawrence, and Randy Gregory are out. For the Cowboys, Lyle Collins remains suspended. For the Chargers, safety Derwin James James and offensive lineman Brian Bulaga are suspended questionable. There is a lot. So I'm going to present the pricing, and then you guys let me know what is the optimal way to stack, how you will be stacking this game in week two. Both quarterbacks, Dak Prescott, 6,800. Justin Herbert, 67. Seems pretty clearly that they are underpriced in this spot. Uh, Dallas pass catchers also way too cheap. Amari Cooper sixty eight hundred. Ceedee Lamb sixty four. Cedric Wilson filling in for Michael Gallup is thirty one hundred. Both Dallas tight ends are under thirty five hundred dollars in this spot as well. That is Blake Jarwin and Dalton Schultz for the Chargers. Their pass catchers are fairly priced. I would say a little bit more fair than the Cowboys. But Keenan Allen is up at seven k. Mike Williams sixty two hundred. Both had monster games last week. Jared Cook, cheap tight end, 3,900 cheap exposure to this game. Mike, what will be your favorite way to stack this one?
1: I mean, right off the bat, it's, I'm, I'm very strongly on the Dallas side with Dak. I prefer Dak at quarterback. Um, I'll definitely have Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb stacked with him. But I think one, we know that's going to be popular. I'll have a bring back of Keenan Allen, also going to be popular. Makes it a little less popular when you enforce that bring back for sure, though. But what I will probably have with Dak in the spot is I think they're obviously going to be committed to the pass, obviously. I think I'm going to triple stack it. I think I'm going to have either the tight end or Cedric Wilson in there as well. And the combination of the triple stack with the bring back will make it just different enough, especially with what I'm planning to do at the running back position that I think I'm going to get really, really, really nice exposure to this game and still be different enough that I'm not caught in that 50% lineup.
0: Do you have a lean on the tight end? Uh, Dalton Schultz played 69% of the snaps last week. He ran 39 routes. Blake Jarwin played 58% of the snaps, ran 35 routes.
1: Uh, Jarwin right now.
0: All right, see ya. How are you stacking this one?
2: Yeah, I mean, I I agree. I like the Dak side of it a little bit better, but I think you could go both ways here. But right now, I I like Dak with CeeDee Lamb and Cedric Wilson or Dak with Amari Cooper and Cedric Wilson. And and I'm just really doing that to, to save some money, obviously. And then bringing it back with Probably Keenan Allen, but I think I might bring it back with a lot of Mike Williams too. Now, I expect a little bit of regression potentially with Mike Williams uh, relative to week one, but he did have eight catches on 12 targets, almost as many targets as Keenan Allen. They weren't just sending him on go routes, essentially, like he was doing a little bit more with respect to the route tree. So that was pretty encouraging. His matchup is his crate as is Keenan. So I might bring it back with Mike Williams and a Jared Cook or Keenan Allen and a Jared Cook and just kind of really get aggressive with this stack on both sides of the ball. Obviously, Eckler is in play, but I know Eckler is is just a monster, especially because of the targets and, and what you get from a PPR standpoint. But he did kind of the snap share wise, you know, There was a little bit of a rotation coming in there with Justin Jackson and Roundtree. And um, I'm not sure if Joshua Kelly got any snaps, but those three were definitely involved, including near the red zone. So, yeah, give me the Dak side of it, but I'll play a few of the Herbert side. I think you got to get creative with the stacks. You can't just have one stack because this is going to be so popular. So stack it a few times over and get creative with the stacks on both sides of the ball.
0: I will just throw Ezekiel Elliott's name out there. 6200 on DraftKings as a GPP a leverage play in this spot. There's just so many running backs in that range. I don't think that he's going to be all that popular. Although, let's see what what is he popping up with uh, in terms of ownership right now? 10%. All right, so that that's actually a little bit higher than I thought it would be. Maybe it's because of the price, but he still played 84% of the snaps and he's coming off, you know, probably one of his worst games of the season going up against the Tampa Bay Bucks. Let's move on to the Titans at the Seahawks. The Seahawks are currently six-point favorites. We have a 54.5-point total in this game. On the injury front, we do have Bud Dupree and Anthony are questionable for the Titans. And then for the Seahawks, Rashad Penny hasn't been ruled out, but he will not play in this game with a calf injury, which he re-aggravated. Much like the Cowboys and the Chargers, Let's just run through everybody. Russell Wilson, 7,500. Tannehill, 6,300 on DraftKings. For the Seattle pass catchers, DK Metcalf is 7,600. That is the third highest priced wide receiver. Tyler Lockett, 7,200. He is the sixth highest priced wide receiver. Gerald Everett is 3,600. He scored a touchdown last week. Will Disley actually ran more routes and saw more targets than Everett last week. On the Titans side of things, A.J. Brown, 6,900. Ninth highest priced wide receiver. I just, I really like that price. It seems like a great deal you're getting him as the ninth priced wide receiver in A.J. Brown. We know what its game-breaking ability could be. Julio Jones, 6,300. Chester Rogers, kind of like the Jalen Guyton name that you threw out there. See, I mean, this is just cheap exposure to a monster game. He's 3,200. We'll start with see this time. Your favorite way to stack this game, Titans at the Seahawks.
2: Yeah, I mean, Chester Rogers was the leading receiver for the Titans last week against the Arizona (laughs) Cardinals defense. It makes no sense. So we'll we'll have to see how ownership goes here because I I do think Tennessee is is in a nice position to have a bounce-back spot that should surprise nobody but will surprise everybody because recency bias just always exists. So, I mean, I I like A.J. Brown, not so much Julio Jones, um, Ryan Tannehill. I think Derrick Henry could be in a good spot if you're looking for leverage against, you know, some of the pass catches in this game, which people are definitely going to want to stack, but this is definitely one of my favorite stacks. I mean, on the Russell Wilson side, I, you know, initially I wanted to do a Russell Wilson locket or Russell Wilson DK Metcalf stack, but you know, they just didn't throw that much last week. They were just hyper efficient, and and that's always the story with Seattle. But I feel like Chris Carson might be the better play here on the Seattle side of it. And then again on the on the Tennessee side, I definitely think they're worth, especially because the confidence is down on them. I definitely think they're worth a, a Tannehill stack with A.J. Brown and then, you know, bringing it back with whoever you want to bring it back with.
0: Chris Carson looking like a cash game lock. He's 6,100 hundred. There is He's currently projecting for 21% ownership, which is right around that that top name with uh, with Najee Harris. So going to be a very popular play, no doubt about it. He's severely underpriced at that cost. Uh, Mike, what do you think about this game? I think, look, if we're getting Russell Wilson at sub 10% ownership in a game with 54.5% with a fifty-four and a half total, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting to me.
1: Yeah, it's definitely interesting. Um, you know, it's it, we're going to talk about another game where you're going to have a low-owned quarterback as well, but this is definitely one of them. Uh, I'll have it stacked up. See us dead on. It's Chris Carson in cash. That's the the way to go. That's the way a lot of people are going to get exposure to this game, largely due to the wide receivers in that Dallas game that we just mentioned and the quarterbacks that we want to play there. Um, So in tournaments, yeah, I absolutely love it. Uh, I think there's a couple different ways that I'll have this one played. One will be Russell Wilson with DK Metcalf. I strongly prefer Metcalf over Lockett this week, and I will run it back on the other side with A.J. Brown. Um, Another cheap tight end you could throw in if you want to, Anthony Fergster for the Tennessee Titans. I think he's heavily involved this week as well. I don't think Seattle, while I think they're good on the defensive line, I don't think they're great against defending what I the way that the Titans are going to play this game. So he's another cheap tight end. You could throw in there that I would absolutely be fine throwing in with someone like AJ Brown, even without Ryan Tannehill as a quarterback, just because if Brown is having a, a big enough game. It likely likely means they're having enough success and, or likely means that they're trailing and going to be peppering with targets. Trying.
0: I mean, given how bad that secondary looked last week, uh, just in general, the Titans offensive line, their secondary, uh, I actually trust Mike Vrabel as a head coach, so I think that they're going to come to play, and I think we're going to see a lot of points on both sides in this game between the Titans and the Seahawks. So let's move on to the Falcons at the Bucks. Tampa Bay currently 12.5-point favorites with a 52-point total. Don't really see anything on the Falcons' side right now in terms of injuries for Tampa Bay. Cornerback Sean Murphy Bunting went to the IR. Jason Pierre-Paul is questionable. I get another one over 50 points. Tom Brady is 6,900 here. Jalen Hurts just threw for three touchdowns against this Falcons secondary. And Hurts is improving as a passer. He's not Tom Brady. He's not TFB. He's not, he's not the goat. So uh, obviously Tom Brady will be able to have his way here. Matt Ryan is 5,600 on the other side. All three of the Bucks wide receivers are between 6k and 6600 in this spot. Chris Godwin up at the top there at 6600, and then I think Gronk is very fairly priced at 4700 given his role, how many snaps he plays, and the fact that he is a red zone target in this offense. Calvin Ridley, 7500, he's the fourth highest priced wide receiver. Kyle Pitts is 5200. And I think you're going to get him at very low ownership considering all the value at tight end and the fact that he just let a lot of people down. I still really like the role for Kyle Pitts in this offense. Sia, uh, what do you think about this game? Will you be looking to stack it? There's a chance that Tampa Bay just runs away with this one.
2: I mean, what? It, so last week, Tam, Tom Brady put on a show, right? And And I just think we're in the midst of the Tom Brady MVP push. And it really wouldn't shock me. If he throws for four touchdowns and and what's so great about stacking this game is that he's not a running quarterback. So just people don't want to, even though like Dak Prescott isn't really a running quarterback anymore. Neither is Justin Herbert, but for whatever reason, that game is going to get a lot more attention. Well, and that makes sense, right? Because both those offenses are super competent. Whereas we're not sure about Atlanta's, but I really like Tom Brady. I really like stacking him with two of his receivers and hopefully you're not wrong on the third one. Maybe, maybe Mike Evans. Cause I think he'll look to target Mike Evans because Mike Evans was so sort of pedestrian and kind of absent, especially in the first half last week. So I think Tom Brady with a Mike Evans and maybe a Chris Godwin, or again, Mike Evans and Antonio Brown and running it back with either Calvin Ridley or Kyle Pitts, uh, or both. If you really want to get crazy, I, I think that has a lot of, um, I, I think that has a lot of potential and keep in mind when, when you're stacking that Atlanta side, I mean, they're going to be in a trail position quite a bit. And I don't think Brady's going to take his foot off the pedal either. So I think you're looking at a lot of potential. Even if you don't think they're going to be successful early, I think Ridley and Pitts are going to get, enjoy a lot of garbage time.
0: And the Bucks' defense is very good. There's no doubt about it. It's more so their front seven than anything else. Todd Bowles likes to play a lot of man coverage and his corners got destroyed last week. Granted, the Dallas wide receivers are very good, but I also think Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts are very good. So I think that that is a very fair point by you. They're going to be playing from behind for a large majority of this game. Mike, it looks like Evans and Antonio Brown currently projecting at 7 to 8% ownership. Chris Godwin up at 13%, projecting as one of the most popular wide receivers this week. What do you think about this game in general? Falcons at the Bucks?
1: I think that I'll take a pretty easy call on fading Chris Godwin at that ownership. I think what's going on there is we people saw how good he was. There was some speculation that he might actually be hurt heading into that game. Obviously looked fine. I think it's the one grab that everyone's trying to make, trying to get a piece of this game. So I think it's very easy for me to fade that one at that ownership. Plug your nose. But I think the best way to get exposure to this game for me is going to be Ronald Jones. $4,800. He's supposedly starting. I think that they look at this as an opportunity that they want to, you know, erase that mental spot where he had that fumble there. I think that they're going to give him opportunities here. And I think it's a lot easier matchup for him. Uh, would not shock me at all if he finds the end zone once or twice here, but I love the price point at 4,800. I know it's gross. If you're new to DFS, it's like, what is Mike talking about? Everything. (laughs) The only thing that matters is price and ownership. That's it. That is absolutely it. When you're playing daily fantasy, um, I, I like the ownership here. I'm projecting him about two to three owned. That's the time I want to play Ronald Jones when he has the two touchdowns this week, and then everyone else plays him at fifteen percent owned next week, and it's the Leonard Fournette show again. Um, so if I'm taking a chance on a cheap running back and I don't want to eat the chalk on probably Edmonds or Harris, any of those guys, there, I think that's the most interesting way to get a piece of this game.
0: Yeah, and it creates uh, leverage there because obviously a lot of people are going to be on Tom Brady in the past game there for the Tampa Bay Bucks. So uh, interesting call. You know, you said plug your nose. I didn't know where you were going and I was pretty scared, <laughs> but yeah, Ronald Jones. I mean, that'll do it. He, he is a pretty scary running back, but that is why you're getting him at two to 3% ownership in week two. Let's uh, wrap up here. Vikings at the Cardinals. The Cardinals are three and a half point favorites, 50 and point total injuries for the Vikings linebackers, Anthony Barr and Nick Vigil are questionable, and for the Cardinals, offensive lineman Kelvin Beecham is questionable for them. This is the last of the Fab Five. The 50 total games in Week Two. Kyler Murray 8200. He is the highest-priced quarterback on the slate. Kirk Cousins down at 6200. DeAndre Hopkins is 8K. He is the highest priced wide receiver on the slate. Justin Jefferson, 7,400. Adam Thielen at 72. And then you have some ancillary pieces as well. Christian Kirk, 5K. Rondell Moore, 4K. A.J. Green, 3,700. K.J. Osborne, who did not know anything about this guy before last week, 3,300. 3,300. Again, cheap exposure to a really strong game. Played 81% of the snaps. He was used solely as their wide receiver. That uh, their slot wide receiver. That was not Adam Thielen last week. So I think he's just a name, you know, like uh, like Cedric Wilson and like Jalen Guyton. I'll just throw them out there. KJ Osborne and of course Chase Edmonds. Very cheap. He's at 4,900. He is cheaper than Alexander Madison, the backup running back to Dalvin Cook in this game. Uh, Mike, we'll start with you on this one. As of now, it looks like Kyler Murray's projecting for 5% ownership. I know that he's the highest priced uh, quarterback,
1: but that is insane. Yeah, definitely. Um, So it's a very unique opportunity. And I mean, I haven't even talked to him, but I know C is going to have this stack in for sure. (laughs) The Kyler Murray to DeAndre Hopkins stack is going to be a great little leverage play here. So I know that DeAndre, we're still projecting him for 11%. I'm showing him as the sixth highest owned wide receiver largely due to that price point as the most expensive. However, there is enough value if you're not getting cute trying to play Christian McCaffrey or Alvin Kamara in those lineups. And there is a beautiful bringback piece that you just mentioned there in KJ Osborne in this game. I will absolutely have Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, Chase Edmonds, and KJ Osborne all in the same lineup. Um, You're going to have a lot of weeks this year where you're going to end up stacking Kyler Murray and Chase Edmonds together. These guys are highly, highly correlated, more correlated than most quarterback running back combos out there. If they're having big games, he's going like, I've talked about it so many times on so many different podcasts. Now I'm going to be early on Rondell Moore and I'm going to be early and often on Chase Edmonds. And until that price point is 6,500 where it should be, uh, it's a plug and play for me in all formats.
0: All right. So this is only about our 12th podcast together here, but see how well does Mike know you already? (laughs) <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> I was so overweight on Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins last week. So yeah, I'm definitely having this stack. I mean, the 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 thing about DeAndre Hopkins, he's going to get his targets. It was interesting, though, how well Kyler Murray sort of spread it around to Christian Kirk, Rondell Moore. He even tried to get AJ Green involved. It just didn't work out for him when, when he tried that. And, and of course, Chase Edmonds was involved, too. So it, it's kind of a, a curious thing because you're not getting that concentrated target share that you want. But DeHop is going to get his target. So I think a stack with Kyler and DeAndre and Chase is great. I also think a stack with Kyler, DeAndre and Christian Kirk or Rondale Moore is great, too. I mean, Christian Kirk's going to play out of the slot. He caught two touchdowns, five catches last week. I think it really could go either way between Kirk and Rondale Moore for the next few weeks. And then, yeah, bringing it back with KJ Osborne certainly makes sense. If I can somehow make it happen because of just getting really cheap in other places, I I may try to squeeze in Justin Jefferson. We'll see, but certainly I can't squeeze in Dalvin cook there, but I I absolutely like this game as a stack, but I also like just peeling a couple pieces off. If you don't want to stack it. chase, Edmonds is definitely a piece you can peel off and potentially play in cash and GPP. And then of course on the, on the Viking side, you know, just sort of pick who you want there, Dalvin, Justin, or Adam Thielen.
0: Uh, Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson currently projecting for 2 to 3% ownership on the week. So that is his... Just- Absolutely massive. A lot of people are going to be looking at the Cowboys and the Chargers and even like A.J. Brown and the Seahawks wide receivers in that range. But, man, you are getting these guys. You just want to You find a way to stack this entire game. I mean, you're going to have to go cheap at running back but and at tight end. But if you can pull it off, man, at Hopkins, Kyler Murray, Justin Jefferson, uh, K.J. Osborne, something like that, That is uh, that is really fun and, and will not be very highly owned as of now looking like for I really
2: like Justin Jefferson at that ownership because I I think from what we saw with the pass rush that Arizona was able to create last week I think Kirk Cousins is going to get the ball out pretty quick and and I think it's going to go to Jefferson quite a bit and he can tear up that secondary so uh, I mean I'm not going to do a Cousins Jefferson stack or if I do it'll be just you know one or two of those but Jefferson is really super sneaky if he's going to be that low
0: all right let's wrap everything up everyone like give everyone a glimpse of the week 2 slate with our cheat sheet. Our favorite value play, favorite chalk, favorite contrarian and our favorite stack of the week. So that will be one uh, quarterback obviously to only one pass catcher. We're going to have a nice little snazzy graphic. We'll tweet it out for everyone as well. Mike, we'll start with you. Favorite value, chalk, contrarian and stack.
1: All right, favorite chalk is probably going to be Amari Cooper. Uh, I'm going to play Amari Cooper at this price point. Uh it's just 6800 is a great value here. He's $400 more than his teammate, CeeDee Lamb, who was targeted heavily. If I had to pick between the two, I'm going to play him. Uh, I think it's a, a better play. I think he, frankly, has a little more upside than CeeDee Lamb does. Some of you may not like me for saying that, but I think it's true. Um, all right, Contrary, uh, I'm going to be all back to Naeem Hines quite a bit. I think it's a spot where they're going to struggle. Offensive line is banged up just enough where they're going to be trailed. However, I think the team is good enough, especially playing at home, that they're going to be competitive and it's going to be because they're dumping passes to Naeem Hines. He's going to be extending drives by picking up those key first downs. Um, So I I like him as a contrarian play. As far as value plays, we just mentioned it. Um, I just forgot the guy's name off the top of my head, but for the uh, Vikings.
0: KJ Osborne. um,
1: Yes, Osborne. Sorry, I was forgetting the last name. I had KJ Hamler in my head for some <laughs> reason, but definitely not KJ Hamler who I want to play. Uh KJ Osborne going to be the value play for me.
0: All right, see ya. Value. So one other? Uh stack. Stack.
1: Stack. Okay. Yeah. It's still gonna be I mean, I'll give you kind of two. It's going to be the, the Cowboys. I'm going to have it and I'm going to just simply be overweight on it. I, I mentioned I'm going to have the triple stack a lot. Um, it's not super popular. However, it does project as one team in one scenario thanks to the value on Wilson and or the tight ends that uh, I'm going to triple stack it to get a little more exposure.
0: All right, see ya. You're up. Value, chalk, contrarian, and stack. So the value is
2: going to be Cooper Cup. Um, I, I know I know Mike talked about Robert Woods. I do like that play because it could very easily, the the, the script could be flipped. But the, either way, both of their values are really, really good. Their prices are really good. But I'll go with Cooper Cup as a value play. Uh, chalk play is going to be Najee Harris. It's, again, 100% snap share. I think he'll, e- even though, I mean, I I just think he's going to catch a lot of balls and he's going to have a lot of rushing attempts. And and again, it's such an easy and obvious thing to say, but you are looking for volume. And I do think he's going to have a better game and it's a better situation for him this week than it was last week. Uh, The contrarian play is Jared Cook. Um, I think his ownership is still pretty low. So maybe in that 5% range, maybe you could look that up for me. But either way, I think Jared Cook in that game uh, is just an easy way to like, make things happen from a pricing standpoint because you're getting the pricing leverage there
0: he is eight percent as of now projecting so before we did this uh mike said anything under 10 percent could be considered contrarian so i'll let you slide there see you that that's a good one with uh, jared cook your stack your favorite stack of the week
2: yeah, so obviously it's going to be Dallas and L.A., but let me give you another one. It's probably not going to be Minnesota-Arizona. I think that's sort of an honorable mention. Um, I think the Eagles one is kind of sneaky, uh, but uh, certainly a lesser a lesser play for me. I'm going to go with the non-running quarterback. I'm going to go with the Bucs and the Atlanta Falcons just because I think I think Brady is just going to be airing it out all season. He has the luxury of the three best receivers he's ever had, at least collectively, and there's no way, whether it's Atlanta or any other team, I don't know that this can be stopped on like maybe for a quarter it can, but not for four. So uh, I think it's going to be a field day for Tom Brady.
0: All right, for me, value play Cedric Wilson is 3100 Looks like he's going to fill in in those three wide receiver sets with Michael Gallup out. He is currently on the IR, so really cheap way to get exposure to the best game of the week between the Cowboys and the Chargers. Chris Carson's going to be the chalk play for me as of now. My cash game lineup has Chris Carson and Najee Harris, both of those guys, projecting for over 20% ownership as of now. So I I might have to change it up a little bit, but I still do like Chris Carson quite a bit. Contrarian play. Kyle Pitts. I do want to make a GPP lineup that features Tom Brady, one of his pass catchers, maybe two of his pass catchers. You bring it back with Calvin Ridley or a Kyle Pitts. You're getting Pitts at 5,200, and I still really like his usage from last week. He was tied for the team lead in targets with Calvin Ridley last week for the Falcons. And then the stack for me. I mentioned earlier, at the very top of the show, Jalen Hurts to Devontae Smith. I think that you're going to get it at low ownership. Not using this in cash, but if I'm playing a Uh, Bigger contest, bigger field contest, and I want to find a way to get different on the week. Jalen Hurts with Devontae Smith. Bring it back with someone like George Kittle. Definitely something that I'm going to be looking into this week. That'll do it for Sia and Mike. I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Football Today. DFS will be back again on Tuesday. Recapping week two, we'll have Mike rip apart my lineup again and tell you everything that I did right and most likely did wrong. Uh, And we will also take an early look at week three pricing. See you then.